from your presence, from heavenly realms, that you will touch our hearts and you will give us a greater understanding tonight of who we are in Christ and where we are in Christ and how we should be operating from these wonderful heavenly realms above. Father, give us hearts tonight to uh, open to hear these things, but not only to hear them, but to receive them. And we pray, Lord, that they will be released in us as we leave this place to be kings and rulers in this nation in which we live. We ask this as we ask our anointing afresh on Stephen tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. so good Bert so I will share what Bill suggested <laughs> there's a book called Ladies of Gold by James Maloney and it's called The Ladies of Gold and in this book it tells the story because James Maloney as a boy went and knocked on this door. I don't know why, I can't remember exactly why. But it, there was a group of people there, about 70 ladies, women, mostly. There was a few men, I think. And God had individually called them to a secret ministry. And it was really to be the government, hidden government of God on the earth. And they were all willing to do it. And in the book, it tells you the story of what happened. And it's really, it's mind-blowing. And sometimes you might think, really, that's way out there. <laughs> but I don't think we have actually realized what God has got for us. Yeah. I really don't. We've become so natural, so earthly. We don't realize, as Bert said there, everything he said there was phenomenal. Do we really realize we are born from above? We are seated in heavenly places. That we are actually beyond the sacred veil. These people met together and God began to do things with them that was unbelievable. About 70 of them. Every day, angels would physically come and give them an assignment that day of prayer. So the angel would physically come and tell them what to pray that day or what to decree. Most days or every day, and this sounds crazy, they would physically, some of them would be physically translocated to other nations and shown by angels what to pray for or what to decree or what to do. And this, as Bill said, was happening, I think it was just about the war period or maybe just after it as well. And many revivals actually came to the earth because of them but nobody knew about them. And they told James Maloney, the writer, the author of the book, do not write about this or tell anybody about us until the last one dies. <laughs> because it weren't about a platform. It wasn't about being known by men. It wasn't about a known ministry to get wealth. It was about fulfilling the purposes of God. And one of the things they had, and, and James Maloney saw this as a little boy, he saw in the sanctuary a door. And he never thought anything else about it until years later he went back as an adult and the door wasn't there. And he, he said to the, the ladies of gold, that's what he called them, where's the door? They said, well, you weren't, you weren't ready for this. That door was like a doorway into the heavenlies. And they physically went through that door into heaven anytime they wanted. And actually they would come back with heavenly clothes. But these people were the government, if you want a word for it. God gave them assignments of what to do. They actually prayed for various things just like these hills. 
And God fulfilled his purposes on the earth through a company of people who were completely yielded, who did not care about a name or praise. But God brought his purposes to the earth through 70 people who were willing to die to self. I know stories like that sound crazy, but these hills and the guys in the Swansea Bible School were all went, they were all caught up in the spirit into the heavens and prayed, decreed, governed from there. Do you know the stories in the Lowe's Revival that I discovered? That I, I read it in Hugh Black's book. And Hugh Black actually interviewed these, these old ladies. And these old ladies in the Isle of Lewis, not crazy people, not crazy charismatics, not crazy Pentecostals. These old la these ladies in Lewis, and this was the 1939 revival, 10 years before the 1949 revival, obviously, I'm good at maths. They actually went to the meetings, revival had broke out, they went in the spirit and governed over the meeting in the spirit. That's what they told Hugh Black, who, if you don't know who Hugh Black is, he's well known in Scotland, Alex knew him very well in Charlotte. Not a crazy, crazy man at all. But these were people of the spirit. They governed from the heavens. And in this book it says, and I know this might, might be too much, I don't know. One woman was out of her body so much for six months, and she only came back to feed her newborn child. <laughs> That's in Hugh Black's book. We don't realize how spiritual we are. We don't realize that there's a real veil that's been torn, that Christ died, and that veil was torn, and we have access into the heavens. And what God is doing here, and maybe he's doing it with others in Scotland, I don't know, He's calling us into a place of government. And tonight I want to just talk a little bit about what I call governmental houses. I believe God wants to establish different governmental hubs all across this nation, all across the planet. When I first preached about this years ago, I actually called it apostolic houses. But I don't want to call it that, to be honest with you. Because sometimes we get a connotation of what that means. We think it's just a title. We think it's just someone who has got a network of churches. That's not what I'm talking about. So I'm calling it governmental houses. Because I really believe there's a... Let me tell you... A story from Paul Keith Davis. I, I mentioned it to Alec earlier. He's a prophet in America. And he had an encounter where he saw various revivals. He saw the Reformation. He saw, then he saw, he saw Luther. Then he saw John Wesley. Then he saw Azusa Street revival. And after each revival, he saw that man built a container around it. And in a way, that was a, we had to try to hold the wine. But every time we built something according to our experience, we looked back and copied something from the past. Then he saw our day. And he saw that God was about to move in power that we've never seen. A glory that maybe we've never experienced. Beyond revival. And we were about to build something around it, like church, as it is. Or as Bill might describe it, I don't know, Sardis. It's like, as the church has become, I, don't, I love the church. But we were going to build something around it. And Paul Keith heard a voice saying, stop. You have to look to the future. Because this that's coming cannot be compared to anything in the past. We must never build anything around what God's about to do with our own mindset, with our own ideas, with our own intellect. Because this is the glorious ecclesia that Jesus said, I will build. You see, he said he would build this. 
But we have actually built a lot. And it doesn't look like what Jesus was talking about. And I'm not saying what I'm saying tonight is the fullness of this. It's not. It's only a small part. But God is about to build these places, I believe, through people who are willing to yield to him and let him build it. Because if we build it, we're, this generation is going to miss what God wants to do. If we keep doing it the way we've done it, we'll always get the same results as we've always had. And the results we've always had, we've not even had a revival since the Lewis revival, probably, that's really changed cities. Zechariah 4, verse 8 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the days of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hands of Zerubbabel. Another version says, for who has despised the days of small things? For these seven re rejoice to see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the earth. Zerubbabel is a type of Christ. And his hand started something. He started building his ecclesia in the beginning in the early church. And only his hands will complete it. Only his hands. And these seven, that's actually, it tells you the seven are the seven spirits of God that go throughout the earth looking for a people, a remnant, someone, a group of people like the ladies of gold or Reese Hills looking for somewhere where Christ can be the head, where he can have his hands on the plumb line. You see, a plumb line's needed to build. I'm not a builder. But if you don't build the building up exactly according to the plumb line, it will go skewed, and eventually it will come crumbling down. And we're in days where the whole world is shaking. Politics, the political realm, everything's shaking. Governments, economy, society, culture, everything is shaking, including the church. And if it's not built according to the plumb line that, that began this process, it will come crumbling down. But I'm convinced, <laughs> I am convinced that we are born for this day. I am convinced that God has put us together. So that he can build something that's so glorious it's so divine. It's going to change not just Scotland, but the nations. But the Lord needs us to say, Christ, you're the head. That's what the covenanters died for. They would not, they could just, they could not bow down to the idea that Christ was not the head. You see, that's in our DNA. They were told to sing certain hymns and pray certain prayers and that the king, he was the king or head of the church. And they said, we will die first because Jesus is the head. He is the only head. But we've done the same thing. We've made other things the head. Jesus is looking for the church again. He's looking for the church. He wants it back. He wants the plumb line. He wants people who say, Lord, we will not build anything unless it's according to the pattern. So God's going to build these communities, this governmental hubs. And I believe it's going to be like greenhouses where the man-child can grow or the mature sons. Because we have had churches where all it is is about just training how to do stuff and 
how to function in some gifts. That's not the vision of the Ecclesia. And I don't say this harshly, because I love the church. But I think we've seen something. I've seen something. I think William Branham saw something. He spoke about these things. I think John McPhee saw something. These people saw something. And it was about a glorious body, a man-child, a mature body who walked in the fullness of Christ. And one of the things we will have in these governmental hubs is habitation, not just visitation. We came to an expectation of revival. And I'm not saying we don't need revival, we do need revival. But then we need to go beyond revival. Ephesians 2.22 says, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Sometimes we just read this and go, that's lovely. Can you imagine that God wants to build a house amongst us, with us, because we are the living stones. We are the building. God wants to build something that doesn't just have good events, good programs, good singing, good worship, good smoke machines. (laughs) He wants to build something where Yahweh himself can come and dwell. Can you imagine Yahweh coming, the Lord God Almighty? The Israelites were scared to utter his name. But he wants to build something with us where he can come and dwell fully in our city in Glasgow, like the new Jerusalem, where he will be the light amongst us who shines in the darkness across the nations, where we won't need to try and win people to Jesus. We will be shining because Yahweh himself is amongst us. Fully. This is a glorious vision of the ecclesia. And I'm using the word ecclesia. And I'm not using the word church deliberately because I love the church, but it's what the church has become. I'm using the word ecclesia because that's what we're becoming, which is actually the real church. It's my firm conviction that God is building houses of habitation all over the planet. Places that host God himself in fullness. (laughs) We are that house as we come together in union with him and union with one another. We are moving from visitation to habitation, Pentecost to tabernacles, or Sardis to Philadelphia. We are crossing over the Jordan into unknown territory. We will be people of the promised land. What do I mean by that? Because we use language like that. Every single promise in the word will be fulfilled. The promise that God will have a mature son. All creation is groaning for this. Do you know, it doesn't say all the earth is groaning for this. It's all creation is groaning for Christ to be revealed in us. I was reading a scripture yesterday, and I won't go here, and it talks about how there's been a salvation hidden in heaven until these last days, and it's about to be revealed in us. That Christ in us. What is Christ the hope of glory? Christ is in us. But we are about to walk into the fullness of Christ. 
It says that he is going to glorify the house of his glory. We are the house of his glory. He is going to glorify us. There's going to be a witness on the earth. Our whole idea about what a witness is is about to change because we think to witness for Christ is just telling people about Jesus. Do you know a witness, the word witness is courtroom language. It means you've heard something and seen something or heard something or seen something. I believe we are about to encounter the living Christ like we've never seen and we're going to be true witnesses. We are going to be true witnesses of the resurrection because we're going to see him. We're going to experience him. We're going to experience habitation, fullness, tabernacles. <laughs> the second ingredient for these governmental houses, and I've already said this, that we must get the blueprints from heaven. We cannot any longer copy other places. Exodus 25, 40 says, see to it that you make them, excuse me, see to it that you make them according to the blueprint for them that you were shown on the mountain. God is teaching us that we must get the blueprint for what God is building from heaven. We can't afford to build according to the ideas of man any longer. What is coming has never been seen before. It's the latter house and it cannot be tainted by our ideas of what it should look like. Just like Moses, we must build according to the pattern that we are shown on the mountain. Moses was shown a pattern to build. And I believe God is raising up again true apostles, true messengers, not people necessarily with a title. You won't need to ask, are you an apostle? Are you an apostle? You will know. True architects, true builders, those who are will get the blueprint. Alex, you've got the blueprint for the city. That's what I keep saying. Stephen, you're part of this, hugely. There's something on you to do with this. God has given blueprints. Everybody here. God wants to build something that's never been seen. And it's so hard in a sense for God, if you could say that. Because we always try and build something we think he wants. Are we willing to lay down our ideas and say, Lord, what is the blueprint for my village, for my life, for my city, for my country? What is the blueprint for the local governmental hub, the ecclesia? What is my part in it? What is my part? Your part might not be the same as someone else's. But ask Lord, ask the Lord, what is my part? What is the blueprint for Glasgow? but we must build according to the pattern. I cannot stress that enough. The next ingredient might sound strange at first, but it's not really. It's really to do with going beyond the veil, if you want to put it that way. We have got it as the local governmental hub the people who know how to go beyond the veil. We need to know how to live there. We need to know how to pray again. But again, I don't mean prayer, just walking up and down the room shouting. And I mean like Madame Guyon. If you want to know how to pray, get the book Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Guyon about how to turn in to Christ who lives in us. How to just turn into the presence, how to practice the presence, how to go beyond the veil practically. Song of Solomon says, O my dove that are in the clefts of the rock, 
in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. The secret of the stairs. <laughs> the secret of knowing how to ascend into the heavenlies or how to live there. Do you know, you know the story of Jacob and the stairway to heaven? That's actually the first place where the house of God is mentioned. Verse 16, Genesis 28, 16 says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. These governmental hubs have got to be gates of heaven where the angels ascend and descend. The house of God is not the building. The house of God is us, the living stones, where the angels ascend and descend, where this people come in and say, is this not the gates of heaven? Is this not the place where God himself dwells? Where angels ascend and descend like the ladies of gold. That was a gate. That was a door. They had something of the house of God. And we can struggle with that story thinking, how can that be? There's a door. But we don't struggle with Jacob and the gateway and the angels ascending and descending. Why can that not happen amongst us? Is this not the house of God? The governmental houses of God must be places where heaven meets earth. In fact, it's where earth goes to heaven. <laughs> it's the secret place of the stairs. It's the place of communion with God. It's the place where you just fall in love with Jesus. In the secret place. The secret place, these ladies of gold, they knew how to be in the secret place. And I challenge you, if we're going to see God move in our nation, we need to be in the secret place again. We need to learn afresh how to go there. The saints of old knew how to go there. All these guys that we read about, these hills, all these people, John McPhee, the birth of the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street, it didn't just drop out the sky. None of it just dropped out the sky. There was always one man or one woman somewhere who knew how to meet God in the secret place. And you might say, how? Just do it. Like, read Madame Guyon's book. Read Brother Lawrence, Practice in the Presence. I remember a few years back, it might have just been after I went to the victory, I can't remember, and all I would do, I would read a story about revival, Evan Roberts or something like that, something that caught, got me on fire. Like Evan Roberts, before the revival, actually went to heaven every night for three months, I think it was. Three months, he went to heaven every night. I would read that. That's what you can do, read that. And then I would lie down on my sofa, I would put my hands out, I would put on instrumental music, just like Emma's playing, and all I would do is say, Lord, I want to meet you like that. If you want to know how to pray in the secret place, just do that. Read stuff that makes you hungry. And after nine months, like an atmosphere came in my room and it was like electric rain. And I mean physically, it wasn't a vision. And I had to close my eyes because the rain was getting in my eyes. And I actually, this is the honest truth, I'm not exaggerating, for about three months, I could feel the ground shaking underneath me. And when I walked up my town, I actually felt the ground moving. I don't know if it was or wasn't, but I felt the trembling of the Lord. I lost it because I was, I was full of fear, and I actually would get too fearful. But a dream a few years back, the Lord said, it's going to come again, Amen. and this time you'll have authority.
So we've got to get in the secret place, the secret place of the stairs. And it's from there that God's going to teach us how to govern in the heavenlies, from the sword to the scepter, to learn, we will learn how to rule as kings and priests from Mount Zion. You see, this is another scripture that we read and we just pass it by because we don't understand it. We think that's lovely. It says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. I just read that and you go, that's lovely. <laughs> but it says you have come. That's past tense. doesn't say you're going to come to this place in heaven in the future. This is a place of government. Mount Zion is actually a governmental arena in heaven. That you, by being born again, born of the Spirit, have come. Because it says you have come to Mount Zion. It's already happened whether we realize it or not. You have been seated in heavenly places whether you realize it or not. But as you get intimate with the Lord and learn the secret place, learn how to know him, then you're caught up into the heavenlies. You become more aware of it. And you begin to govern there because you know him, you know his ways, you know his mind, you know his heart. I could tell you many actual stories about this, but I don't actually like telling some stories because people might think you're boasting or whatever. But God's got us to pray for many international things, national things in the spirit by being taken up. But it all begins by intimacy first. God has taught us, not just me, many people across the planet, all about the courtrooms of heaven. Because Mount Zion has the courtrooms of heaven in it because God is the judge is there. Jesus, your mediator is there. The blood speaks there. God is the judge. Satan is the accuser. He accuses you day and night. You see, it's actually a courtroom setting. And in these governmental hubs that God is placing around the land, he's going to teach us how to function in the courtrooms of heaven. From Mount Zion, we will learn to engage with the courts of God. I've got a whole teaching in the courtrooms of God, if anybody's interested. Obviously, I can't go into it tonight, but God is releasing the revelation about the courts and how to rule and reign in the courts of heaven. Because in Joshua, I'll just read the Joshua scripture, actually. It's Zechariah. God's angel then charged Joshua, orders from God of the angel armies, if you live the way I tell you and remain obedient in my service, then you'll make the decisions around here and oversee my affairs and all my attendants standing here will be at your service. If you read the scripture before that, it's actually a courtroom situation because Satan the accuser comes to accuse Joshua. But then he's given this promise. If you keep my ways, if you're obedient, I will give you a place amongst these that stand by. Another version says you will have free access. You know, we've, we have created a Christianity that's very natural, very earthly. But for those who have ears to hear, there's actually free access into the heavenly realms. And we are going to be taught in these governmental hubs. And don't worry if you don't understand that just now. But we are going to be caught, taught how to govern from heaven. And we're going to walk in the fullness of God in terms of the power of God. Isaiah 11.2 says, now this is about Christ, this prophecy, but remember we are the body of Christ. He is our model. This is what we're going to function in. Isaiah 11.2 says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In Revelation, four times it talks about the spirit, the seven spirits of God. And Jesus actually says, I have the seven spirits of God. The mature sons are going to function under the seven spirits of God, the seven attributes of God. The spirit of the Lord will rest on us. Rest speaks of habitation, it's not visitation, because the spirit is going to come and habitate amongst us. The spirit, the ruach, the breath of God is going to be upon us again. The spirit of the Lord, the lordship, he must be Lord for us to function in this. We must be Lord, he must be Lord for us to function under the spirit, the ruach, the breath of God, where we can walk down streets in a radius of 5, 10, 15 miles. People come under that conviction of sin. They come under the fear of God. Or they might all get healed or delivered or set free. Why? Because we're under the ruach, the breath, the spirit of almighty God. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding like Daniel and Joseph, where princes and prime ministers will come for our counsel. That's what the ecclesia did and should do. Presidents, prime ministers, governors, politicians should come to us and we should function under the spirit of wisdom and understanding that we can impart wisdom to solve economic or political problems. What would happen if they came to us now to do with the coronavirus? What do we do? We can't solve it. We don't know how to stop this thing. And suddenly the spirit of wisdom came upon us and understanding. And suddenly we had answers from heaven. I'm not talking about the gifts of wisdom. I'm talking about the fullness of wisdom. Like the fullness of knowledge. Like Jesus with the woman at the well. She came to him and he told her everything she ever did. Not to expose her, but to reveal to her who she is. <laughs> he revealed everything she ever did and suddenly she became the greatest evangelist her city had ever seen. Because the fullness of knowledge was upon Christ. And we are going to function out of the fullness of the spirit of wisdom and understanding, knowledge and the counsel. Branham, William Branham, the counsel and might function together. He would see a picture, not a picture, he would have an encounter of someone in hospital. He would see everything about who was in the hospital, when a doctor walked in. He would see the person in the bed that was completely dying. And the next day he would go to the hospital and he would copy what he saw to the letter. The night before was the counsel of God. The next day he went and copied it. He, he made sure that everything was in place as he saw it and his encounter. Then that released the might of God. And that person was completely made well in an instant. Jumped up out of their bed completely well. You see, we functioned out of just a part. We prophesy in part. But there's something above that. It's the seven spirits of God upon us, the attributes of God, the fullness of God. And the fear of the Lord. We're going to function under that again. Where, like the Isle of Lewis, Hebrides is probably the greatest example where seven, eight hundred people in one night run out of their houses at midnight in a winter night in Lewis because the fear of God came to the whole region, to the whole of Barvis. What would happen if we were functioning under the fullness of the fear of God again? Do you think we would even need to try and evangelize? What I'm talking about is all this, I believe, has to happen in the context of the governmental houses because I believe God wants to do all this but it cannot come in the old wineskin. The old wineskin cannot contain this. The way church has become cannot contain it. We've got to get the blueprint. 
another part of these governmental houses is, and this was always the true purpose of the true apostolic, God wants to raise up us up into mature sons who walk in fullness. And this is Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We've stopped there. But let's go to the next verse. Until we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In these governmental hubs, I believe, there's going to be, I don't even want to call them apostles because I'm not bothered about the name. It's people who are going to walk in the fullness of Christ. Why? I can't take you any further than where I am. The leaders can't take someone further than where the leader is at. So I believe these leaders are going to begin to walk in the fullness so that they can bring other people into the fullness. Then you don't need those people anymore. You don't need the apostolic. Why? Because they are there until we walk in the full stature of Christ. You're not getting people beneath you just to serve you. Then that's all that ever happens. You're actually training them not just to do things and how to run a ministry or how to function out a gifts. But you're actually leading them into the full stature of Christ. Something I believe that maybe the, apost well, the apostolic movements in the earth, let's say that. The apostolic movements in the earth have not completed that. We've stopped at training. We're very good at training people how to do stuff, how to function in gifts, how to prophesy. We get people to say, you prophesy to that person. That's not the fullness of the full purpose of the true apostolic. It's to take people into that realm where they become like Christ fully and become the perfect man, the man child, the mature son who walk like Christ, who live like Christ, who walk in the same power as Christ. In fact, you will do greater things. Jesus said that. Mature ones. And only wisdom can build this house. Let me just read something before I go into wisdom. There is a day coming where we will go beyond the until of verse 13 and become the mature or perfect man, sons of God in the earth. All creation is waiting for this, but we must desire this. It's time to long for this and position ourselves to receive this. The governmental hubs that God is building all over the earth will be the greenhouses where the mature sons can grow and begin to emerge. And it's only wisdom from above that can build these governmental houses. This is not going to be church growth strategies. It's not going to be, well, this worked in somewhere else, Bradford or somewhere else. We need the spirit of wisdom. You think of the things that were built in the Old Testament, like the tabernacle. It had to be built exactly. Not one thing could be done differently. Even Noah's Ark had to be built exactly. Solomon's temple had to be built exactly. Yet when it comes to the church, we build it our way. We need wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. We need 
more than ever to ask and desire to have the spirit of wisdom because it's only wisdom that can build the house. If we don't have the spirit of wisdom, then we will revert back to the wisdom of this world. And we will build something that God doesn't recognize. And when the storms come, it will just crumble. The next part of these hubs, and don't worry, I'm not going to go on all night, <coughs> is that we are the Ecclesia. Matthew 16, and this is what we're talking about in the Bible studies, or the, the Bible course things we're doing on a Wednesday night. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It's the word Ecclesia. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind. We think that means bind demons, but wait, this is what it means. Declare to be improper and unlawful on earth. Must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, that means declare lawful. Binding and loosing is not about binding demons. must be what is already loosed in heaven. In other words, the word for church used by Jesus was the ecclesia. Ecclesia was the name of the Greek legislator. Gates are where the government of a city was. And Jesus said we should only bind and loose that which is already bound and loose from heaven. So Jesus is saying he would build his government. That's what the ecclesia is. And the government would legislate from heaven to earth. And the government of hell would not be able to prevail against this. Why is the government of hell prevailing against a lot of what we call church? I'll tell you why. Because it's not necessarily the ecclesia. The gates of hell, everything that's coming, globalism or whatever, agendas cannot prevail against the ecclesia that God is building, these governmental houses. He cannot prevail. Why? Because we know how to govern from the heavens. We will be taught how to govern from the heavens. We will be taught how to govern from Mount Zion. I wrote something down just to help give clarity. When I'm talking about the difference between church and ecclesia, what I mean and what we mean is the church as it's become. The ecclesia is the real, genuine, authentic church that Jesus was talking about. And this is what we must become. And this is what God is going to plan, I believe, all across this land, all across the nations. The church, as it has become, remember, when I say the word church, I'm not talking about the church Jesus was talking about. The church is earthly. The ecclesia is heavenly. The church is about man-made ideas. The ecclesia is all about the blueprint from heaven. The church is focused on how to meet the need of the people. The ecclesia is all about doing the will of the Father. The church is focused on programs. The ecclesia is focused on governmental purposes. The church is focused on church growth numerically. The Ecclesia is focused on growing in Christ, maturity. If you're mature, you will win people to Christ. The church is about everything be done, being done outside the veil. The Ecclesia is about living and ruling beyond the veil. The church is about working for God, 
The ecclesia is about working with God. The church is about us building what we think God wants. The ecclesia is about building according to the pattern. The church is about the natural realm. The ecclesia is about the spiritual realm. The church is about spiritual warfare, fighting demons. The ecclesia is about ruling from our seated position with Christ. The church is about purpose-driven. The ecclesia is about presence-driven or spirit-led. The church is about church meetings. The ecclesia is about the legislative assembly. I am convinced with all my heart that a small band of people, and I'm not saying we're the only ones, God is about to build governmental houses where he himself can come and dwell. Where we begin to become Christ ones. Walking in the fullness, the full stature of Christ, Walking in legislative power and authority. Walking in governmental authority. Walking in such realms that governments come to us, kings come to us, prime ministers, presidents come to us. Walking with such power that whole regions are transformed and saved. Walking with such wisdom like Joseph and Daniel. that governments will come to us for advice, knowing these people know the Lord. That we will be heard again, we will be taken seriously again. We don't need to go out with banners and try and all that stuff. We need to know how to live beyond the veil, how to know him and how to govern from above. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen mentioned there the small band of people that reminded me of that thought I just spoke about a couple of weeks ago. small band of people in Scotland with the Porter Financial down to Scotland it's interesting I'm sharing this with you the guy didn't mention it 